This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Morning. Uh, for those of you that uh, I may not know, uh, my name is Aaron Teague. I'm one of the elders here at uh, the Trails Church. And uh, it's been some time since I've had the privilege to be up here. In fact, it was August 4th of 2020 since I have preached. Um, so let's hope that's not painfully obvious as we proceed uh, this morning. Um, if you would, open your books into Exodus chapter 18. That's where we'll spend our time today. Uh, I've got two, like, the way I look at it is two mini-sermons. Uh, it's going to be broken up into two sections. The first section uh, that we're going to read is verses 1 through 12 uh, that I've entitled, Moses' Personal Testimony Shared. And the second uh, sermon, if you'll call it, uh, will be the remainder verses, 13 through 27, uh, where we'll talk about God's care for his people through practical um, advice. Um, and, and kind of a quick summary before I read that, um, what we're going to find today is we're going to find Moses and the Israelites, uh, they're camped out at what is the mountain of God. Um, we've read recently where the Israelites have been moving throughout the wilderness of sin. Um, throughout that, in many stages, they have faced um, hardships over and over again um, from need of food, need of water, um, need of defense from the ruthless Amalekites in the last chapter. Um, and over and over again, we have seen God take care of his people. Um, once again today, we're going to see more troubling times uh, for the Israelites um, and the Lord providing for his care. So um, you can remain seating, but uh, if you'll follow along with me, uh, starting in chapter 18, verse 1, I'm going to read the first 12 verses. So Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for his Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, uh, I... Your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the hardship that had come upon them in that way. And how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. In that, he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now that the Lord uh, is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God and came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. 
So here's what we see, starting in verse 1 through 12. We see Moses and the Israelites. They're, they're back at Mount Sinai. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, has received word of this. And so he sent word back to Moses and said that he was going to pay him a visit. Uh, and with him, he was going to bring Zipporah and their two sons back. Uh, I think it's important here to do a quick refresher as we look at the setting here um, of Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb, or as we read here this morning, the mountain of God. Um, This is the same place we read about all the way back in chapter 2. Do you remember this? Moses had escaped Egypt. He'd gone to this area. He witnesses these women who are bringing this flock, this herd, to get water, be run off by these ruthless band of shepherds, Moses decides to step in and defend. He defends these women, runs the shepherds off, this ruthless band of people, and then takes these women's herd and waters it for them. Well, uh, not only does he protect them, but he waters for them, and we come to find out later that these women were the daughters of a priest of Midian, uh, a man by the name of Jethro. So Jethro, in returns, invites Moses in and allows him to live amongst his family and dwell with them. And not only that, but he gives the hand of his daughter, Sipporah, to Moses in Mary. And so really what we see here is more accurately understood that Moses is returning back to the very place where all of this, part, all of this relationship with Jethro had first begun. And so now what's not as clear is when Moses sent his wife, Sipporah, and sons to be back with their dad and grandfather, Um, but uh, Moses wants us to understand the names, and I think that's important here. Um, So he does call out. He doesn't tell us when he sends them back. He just tells us they're coming back, but I want you to remember the names of my sons. Gershom, for I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, and Eleazar, my God is help. And it's important because Moses had longed to be back. He was a sojourner in Midian. He longed to be back with his fellow Israelites and out of the bondage of Pharaoh, and he trusted. So every time he called the name of his sons, he was reminded of being a sojourner, but also reminded of the faithfulness of God and the belief that he had in in God. And so here we are, Moses in great excitement, going out to meet his father-in-law once he got word that he was coming to visit. And like any great son-in-law would do, right, in this room, he bowed down and kissed him when he arrived. So um, that's exactly what he does. He's so excited his father-in-law is coming. He runs out. They embrace. There's a hug. There's bow. There's respect. There's kissing. There's a talk of their welfare. How are they doing? They're so excited to see each other. And immediately from that, Moses invites Jethro, you have to come into my tent. I have so much to tell you. So the family goes into the tent, and here it's where Moses begins to tell Jethro all that the Lord had done. Can you imagine what Moses is saying at this point? Remember how I told you Jethro was going to leave, and you were kind enough to bless me to go back? Well, Pharaoh didn't just let us go when I asked. It took 10 plagues. And then he changed his mind after that, trapped us at the Red Sea. God parted the sea, freed us, and then destroyed all of the Egyptian army. And then from there, we didn't have any food. You know how hard it is for two to three million people in the middle of this wilderness to find food. And he provides food. He provides water. And then those uh, Amalekites just attacked us for no reason. And he defended and destroyed them. So Jethro, it's incredible, like what the Lord has done. He did everything he said he would do. 
So here we are, Moses telling Jethro all that the Lord had done, essentially sharing his testimony. And hearing this, what does Jethro do in response? Remember, he's a priest of Midianite. The priests of Midianites do not worship Yahweh. In fact, it's well known that they worshiped many, many gods. But Jethro here rejoiced, and not only did he rejoice, but he puts his faith in the God of the Israelites. And he says, you see in this response in verse 9, and Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and then that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who had delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know, and I have this capitalized in my notes, even if it's not in your Bible, because I now know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair, they had dealt arrogantly with the people. So through the personal testimony of Moses, what you see here is a conversion. Jethro's heart is warmed. He is warmed to the Lord. He calls out to the Lord. He recognizes that the God of the Israelites, Yahweh, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one true God. So what do they do next? Well, they worship together. And they have offerings and sacrifices. And so the elders joined in. They ate bread together. They shared a meal, a covenant meal. And so if you really look at this, this is the life of a Christian conversion. If you're a Christian here today, your story should sound something like this. In verse 8, someone shared the testimony with you as Moses did here with Jethro. In verse 9, you see Jethro's response, rejoicing, recognizing that he's been forgiven and that the God of the Israelites, is the one true God. Then he has an act of confession in verse 11 and an act of worship in verse 12, which is what we do here today. And so it's a wonderful story. It's a joyful time. And I think it's important for us to understand that um, our God can soften the hearts of our enemies one day and destroy enemies the next. He can conquer or he can convert. And so... It's important for us to see that just as Moses recounts what God has done for him and the Israelites rescuing them from the bondage of slavery under the Egyptian Pharaoh, we too should remember that we have been rescued from the bondage of sin and the slavery of sin and that Christ freed us. Um, In fact, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become righteousness of God. And so at some point as a Christian, you heard the truth and you responded rejoicing, saying, blessed be the Lord who's delivered me, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as Mike Lamb led us so well today, recognizing that we are in need of a Savior, but we have a grateful Savior. And so we we praise him for that. Um, We praise him for his mercy. And maybe your testimony doesn't include the parting of a Red Sea, but I will tell you that there is not a testimony in this room if you're a Christian that is too small or too irrelevant that the Lord can't use it to soften the hearts of other people. I will also tell you that your story, your testimony can't be too messy. There's nothing too messy to be shameful of. In fact, that messiness should be put out on display for all to see, and not that you fixed it, but that the Lord fixed it, forgave it, forgave you, moved on. And he chose to forget it, completely forget it. Like he crushed the Egyptian in the sea, that's what he does with our sin. As soon as we escape the other side, he crushes it down, it's over. 
and then he provides for us. We've been studying that all the way through Exodus, all the way up to here. So uh, the first sermon ends with this. May we be faithful to share with others. Live your life out as a testimony. Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be scared. Don't worry. There's no, remember, you're not the one converting. The Lord softens hearts. He's the one that redeems. Moses, over and over, all he did was call out to the Lord. Moses is a weak, feeble, stuttering man, but here he is great because of what the Lord has done. So we'll move to the second one, which I've entitled God's Care for His People Through Practical Advice. So if you'll pick up with me in verse 13, we'll read the remainder of this chapter. Uh, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses, father-in-law, said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you should warn them about the statutes and laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart. And he went away to his own country. So here we are in the opening scene of this second second half of the chapter here. Uh, You see Moses as the prophet of God. He's in the role of the patriarchal judge, sitting in what appears to be his usual judging seat. Okay, Um, And all the people of Israel gathered around him. And picture this, um, the people of God are grumbling. I know that might sound surprising to you, but here we are again. Um, didn't they claim that, you know, there weren't enough graves in Egypt? They're kind of sarcastic too. We just die out here by the Red Sea. Now we're just going to starve to death. Now we're not going to have water. Well, here they are grumbling again. And I'm sure Moses is hearing everything from this man's oxen gored my sheep. This man stole my sandals. This man tore my tent. And he's judging and helping them with these practical needs. But he's also teaching them the laws and statutes. And Moses is sitting here and he's listening to everything and every little matter at hand. Meanwhile, old Jethro's just sitting over there watching. Doesn't say how long, but long enough. Long enough for Jethro to know this, this isn't going to work. Um, and so, again, we see in verse 14, he asks a really simple question. He goes up to Moses and he says, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why, why do you sit alone and all these people stand around you from morning until evening? And it seems like a fair enough question. Moses responds, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And then I make known the laws and statutes of God. 
which seems like a fair response. So what's interesting here is that I think Moses has the right intentions. He's not out of bounds in the role he's in. He's in the right role, and he has the right intentions. In fact, it's very honorable and very loving towards the people what Moses is attempting to do. But Jethro, the good father-in-law, knowing Moses well, knowing he's a worthy judge and a worthy prophet, says he is not good at administrating. He is, he, this whole structure is doomed to fail. So he comes up to him and he says, look, um, Moses, starting in verse 17, what you're doing is not good. The people, you and the people, you're just going to wear yourselves out. It's not good. Um, you're not able to do it alone. And he says, now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you. And that's just a way of saying, I'm going to give you advice, but this isn't just old Jethro, the old father-in-law, the recently converted Christian here, but really more of a, I, this, is, this is, you can trust this is wisdom from God. I, I, I know that this is for God's people. And so he says to him, you should, and I think it's important for us, and you might want to underline this in verse 20, you should warn them. You should warn the people. It's good you're warning them, lest, lest they incur the wrath of God, but the way you're doing it's not wrong. So he steps in, um, and he just uh, starts to offer some advice. Uh, now, I, as I was reading this several times, I kept putting myself in Moses' shoes and imagining, you know, if I'm Moses and my father-in-law is coming up to me and offering advice, how I might just be like, you know, Zipporah, you're dead. Can, you know, here he is again offering advice. I mean, I did talk to God in a burning bush, you know. Um, or, hey, Jethro, you just don't, I mean, these are just the tough people, Jethro. I mean, you, you have no idea what we've been through. Like, I need to be the one to do this. Um, he doesn't do that. Moses is a very humble leader. And in turn, I think he actually probably thought more back to chapter 4 that we read, where Moses himself argued with God about how he shouldn't be the one leading these people. Right? He says, I'm a stutterer. I'm shy. I'm not good at speaking. I'm, it's got to be somebody else. So I think he probably went back to that chapter and thought, you know what, um, you're right, Jethro. I, I don't know, we got here by the grace of God, clearly, um, and I'm not doing this right. So he listens, um, and so he listens carefully, and he trusts that the Lord is providing through this wisdom. So Jethro goes on and says, um, all right, let me, tell you, let me tell you what you should do here. You're going to continue giving the statutes and laws of God. Uh, that's important, and it's so important because right now the way you have it set up, there's a risk of that communication with God being broken. People are sitting around all day. They're not hearing the statutes because they can't get to you. And then they're going back to their tent and their hearts are going to grow harder. They can't get close to God. They can't, can't hear about God. And so um, he just says, look, here's how you have to do this. Um, and he gets very specific. So you go back to verse 21. He says, moreover, look for able men from all the people. Look around. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe, and you should place them over the people. So he says, not only should you delegate, but you should delegate very carefully and very specifically. Here's who you should delegate it to. And you should look for men that have four distinct character qualities that they've been displaying. First, they must be able men. Now, you might think it's just three, like I did when I first started reading it. But actually, I do think it's four. Because the Hebrew word that is used here, and I didn't put it in here because I can't pronounce it, okay? Um, but it's a word that Moses would have understood when he said able, it, the word would have, he would have understood it as courageous and strenuous men, meaning they're leaders, they're hard workers, they're courageous. They don't fear man. They fear the Lord, which moves into number two. They have a fear of the Lord. Um, then they must be trustworthy and they must hate a bribe. And so as you look at fear God, 
Um, you would say in Proverbs 28, 14, you could read, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So think about this. What happened to Pharaoh's people when his heart was hardened? Plague after plague after plague. Many families losing their own firstborn son. An entire army following this man getting destroyed. So it's very, very, very important that they have a fear of God. Three, trustworthiness. Trustworthy men are men that trust in the Lord and they don't trust in themselves. Therefore, they're reliable and they're dependable. So in an, a faithful man in his own imperfect way um, reflects the same trustworthiness of a faithful God. And so they give their word to things that matter. And then they live as if those words have weight. And then the fourth one, he says, and even Jethro, a Midianite priest who was just recently converted, sees with crystal clarity that you cannot have someone in this leadership role that is a lover of money and accepting of bribes. You see this, we're going to read further on down, but I'm going to skip ahead. Exodus 23, 8 says, a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and it subverts the cause of those who are in the right False claims, false accusations, okay? Um, where do we see this elsewhere, elsewhere in the Bible as we look back at the Trails Church? Well, you see this with the betrayal of Jesus himself, over 30 pieces of silver, right? So, um, which we see from that, Judas himself brought down uh, the headlong established verdict of wrath, which is in Deuteronomy 27.5, cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood, so God's loving his people through Jethro by saying, you can't put somebody over my people who's accepting bribes, who's not trustworthy, who, do, who fears man, and who is not able. So after this, what does Moses do in response? Verse 24 says that Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did all that he said. So the Lord has provided care and provision for his people once again. This time through the wisdom provided by a Gentile who was a blessing, a man of the Midianites who came and blessed the people of Israel. As you see, Moses, the humble leader, he faithfully listened and administered the task of judging and teaching through able men. And so because of this, two things. The people would go home satisfied. Justice was executed. They would go to their homes in peace. Uh, and two, Moses and the able men would endure as they share the load. Because even able men leading have limits and can get tired and can get weary and can get weak. And so um, sharing the burden of caring for two to three million people is important. And then the chapter ends pretty quietly in verse 27 about how it starts. Jethro arrives in verse 1. Jethro leaves in verse 27 and goes back to his uh, goes back to Midian. And so as we look at this end of this chapter, uh, I felt compelled to not just end right there, thinking of us today as the people of God in the Trails Church. And, um, and so I think about as we look at it, and, and we're going to study this in the weeks to come, um, you're going to see judges come and go, uh, and you're going to see uh, leaders come and go. Uh, some are good. Most are bad. You're going to see the Israelites fail over and over and over to fulfill God's laws. 
and you're going to see more clearly the picture of why and the picture of God's plan. In fact, um, I'm going to jump ahead. Hebrews chapter 8. If you want, feel free to jump over there, but if not, I'll read it to you. Maybe write it down in your notes. Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 6 through 13. Um, It says this, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than that of the uh, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have not have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, "Behold, the days are coming," declares the Lord, "when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah." Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by their hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor And each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete, growing old, is ready to vanish. So what what does this mean? This means that Christ came and fulfilled the law perfectly. And there's a whole lifetime for us to experience and learn that. But we know that, that uh, Christ is our perfect intermediary in the place that Moses we learned today. Christ is in that place today, sitting at the right hand, intermediary on our behalf, and we can come to him directly. And we do come to him directly with our concerns and our praises. But secondly, we are still a people in need. Would we agree with that? We're a people in need today. We're still a people in need of administrative leadership. We still need care. We need physical needs. We need spiritual needs. We need encouragement. We need love. And so here at the Trails Church, we have what's called a plurality of elders. And so uh, if you don't know what that is, um, it's similar to what I just explained. Uh, There's a division of labor for caring for the people of God. And so men like Mike Lamb, Jim Bridges, Russ Kennedy... Michael Fida and Matt Boswell, men that I've served with for a couple years now, men that I've seen to be trustworthy and fear the Lord, men that I've seen to not be lovers of money. Perfect men? No. Able men? Yes. I also see community group leaders shepherding families within the community, loving, caring, protecting, fearing the Lord, teaching, admonishing, encouraging I see our youth leadership, and I'm thankful for them as they raise up the next generation, teaching them the laws and statutes of God and what Christ has done for us. So I would ask, if there's an application here, pray for these men and women. Pray for these men as they uh, lead and for their families um, that also carry the burden as they lead. Uh, Pray that more men are raised up uh, to move into these roles as the church continues to grow. Um, and, and pray for um, all of this, that all of these leaderships, uh, roles in leadership always look to Christ and never look to their own strength. And um, lastly, I'll leave it with this. Um, if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Christ, maybe you're like Jethro in our tent today. 
sitting here hearing all the great things that the Lord has done for Moses, but he's done in our lives right here. And there are lots of lives in this room right now under this tent that could tell you story after story of what the Lord has done in their life. And if you haven't responded and rejoiced, recognizing that there is a Savior that loves us and a God that wants communion with you and has made a way, just like Jethro did, he didn't leave the tent before he called out to God. I would ask you today, call out. And so um, Christ has extended you great mercy and great love. And uh, I would just want to encourage you with that. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of Moses that we see here even this morning in Collin County so many years later. Thank you for the testimony of Jethro and his wisdom through the administration of your word and the care you've shown for your people. We thank you for the care that you have shown the Trails Church since the foundation all the way back in 2018, Lord, knowing that you have gone before us this entire way. Continue to pray for leadership, Lord, that we always look to you, even in our weakness, Father, that we always and only have a trust in you and a fear for you in the goodness you've given us. Father, I pray for those today that maybe their hearts are being warmed for the first time towards you. Father, that you call them to you and that, Father, that they may also rejoice and put their faith in you. We thank you for um, all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.